0: Welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Andrew Rayburn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. In this episode, we speak to Billy Reddy, son of the former QPR and Wales defender Carl Reddy. Billy is currently coaching both in the community arm of English professional side Wickham Wanderers and at a local semi-professional team in the ninth tier of the Pyramid. He is working towards his UEFA B licence and has coached at various age groups with an emphasis on the very youngest. He's an interesting coach because of his use of language, in particular condensing coaching points into rhyming couplets and the way he throws different sizes and shapes of balls into sessions, including tennis balls and even American footballs. I wanted to drill down into all that and find out more. But first, I asked him to take us back to where it all began for him.
1: I think I started coaching when I was about sixteen. Basically, because I got towards the end of school and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I was massively into football. Football's been in my family, so I saw coaching as a as a the kind of next best thing. So I was never good enough to to play. Um, so I got into coaching through that. Um, after finishing school, got into I got afforded the opportunity to go to America for six months. So I went to I was in California doing like the soccer camps, and then working with different teams within uh Southern California. Uh, that was an amazing experience. Met some great people. This was about 2015. Start of 2016, I started working for Wickham Wanderers. So my local professional team. Uh, and then started them on a pa- casual basis, doing sessions within their community. And then as well as that, doing sessions for various coaching companies, basically out from seven until seven every day. Um, about three years later, about 2018, I got afforded the opportunity to go full time with So as a delivery officer, then worked my way through to now I manage a Premier League funded program where I go into primary schools and work alongside, work with children, working on English, maths, PSHE, and then supporting teachers with their PE delivery. Um, going, and then more on the kind of coaching side. I'm uh, doing my UA for B licence at the minute. I'm almost, almost finished um, and I'm cutting my teeth over in non-league football. So I'm with a, a step five non-league team at the moment, uh, nearing the end of the season. But, um, but it's taken me from 16 um, 26 this year. So it's almost been, almost been 10 years on the journey.
0: And of course, many years uh, to come. That's, I mean, when you start that young as a, as a coach... Um, obviously, some people will will start coaching after they finish playing, maybe into their thirties. So, you know, it, it gives you a real head start, I guess, doesn't it? At that age,
1: yeah, definitely. And then almost having that opportunity to go in and start, like I said, start super, super early, gives me hopefully gives me a bit of a leg up when it gets when I get to my thirties, forties, and hopefully I'll be at a, a level a, a decent level enough to go and uh, go and really kick on. Um, but yeah, it's been. Been a an interesting journey, like like with all coaches, we say no two days are the same. Um, it's been good fun so far.
0: The time that you spent in America—only six months—but did it shape the way you coach? Has it changed the way you think about things? Being in America, what did the spell in America teach you? I think at the time, I was in terms of
1: personally, it was a time that very much shaped me as a young adult rather than as a coach one due to being in a fresh-faced 18 year old going out leaving home for the first time it made me grow up a little bit and being around new people being kind of a bit more responsible for my own actions a little bit and especially that that side of responsibility where for example your work you're responsible for being at a certain place at a certain time um, and I think that's what kind of then kicked into me right this is what I want to do and that passion sort of built built from there I think in terms of coaching it definitely gave me the motivation to start think start creating my own ideas and my own kind of playing philosophies and coaching philosophies and my own values and things like that from seeing experienced coaches work from seeing I say inexperienced because I was one of them inexperienced coaches work learning from different people people from different cultures like with for example with those in America that I've I've been in contact still to this day with people I I lived with out in America, um, and I've learned a lot from them, and hopefully I've, they've picked up one or two things from me as well, even if it's not on the coaching field. Um, but that's I think that sort of side of it was more I definitely felt even to now the the positive effects of going and being abroad and doing going to a different different place and trying new things. Um, but I think in, to try and answer your question, I don't think it was massively more, it was, I think it was more of a personal gain than a coaching gain, if that makes sense. But it's definitely something I'd like to go and do again now that I've a bit more experience behind me and depending on I could probably go and work a, a different in a different setting, but within that kind of a different culture, if that makes sense.
0: Now, as you mentioned that you work um, within the Premier League primary stars program and you sort of touched a little bit about that. Um, your staff profile on the on the Wick and Wanderers Sports and Education Trust website uh, says that you, in landing the job there, you showed, and I quote, an unrivaled work ethic, enthusiasm, willingness to learn and a selfless attitude, all very laudable uh, characteristics. Was that something instilled in you anyway, or was it that you saw a goal of a, of a full time coaching job and, and just just thought, I'm going to give everything I can to, to kind of get in there?
1: Firstly, I like, your, I like your research, fair play. Uh, <laughs> but um, but in, I think in terms of that, it's, I think it's something that's been installed in me kind of from the get-go. Um, because my dad was a, was an ex-professional, um, so he's had, he's had to go through the, the hardships of trying to make it as a professional footballer and seeing, seeing and hearing from those experiences um, that he's had, has very much installed within me, that drive to really want to do, do the best I can. Um, And I think going from as a casual coach doing one session a week and thinking, right, I have a real, real passion for football and a real passion for working with and developing players and working with young players as well. It's kind of as it's as I've gone on and I've seen more opportunity here and there, I think I've got to become more likely to think, you know what, I want to be in this environment. I want to do the best I can. and. And the the, bio, the bio's done well <laughs> and hyped me up a little bit, but <laughs> I think in terms of uh, in so ter- then in, in terms of that, I, I, then the rest of it, I just got to do do what I can do. Um, and rather than uh, especially within the, the different roles I've taken up, I think it's only it'll be uh, it's only fair of me to try and do my best rather than because uh, other people would uh, would really want to be afforded the opportunities I've been afforded so far. So I don't want to be. Uh, seen slacking or anything and I'd, I'd like to just see be seen to be trying my best at all times
0: but well, I think it's nice that those sort of characteristics are recognized in the sense that they're uh, you know they're, that you're they're attributed to you on that on, on the website anyway I mean are those characteristics then reflected in your kind of philosophies and, and principles as a, as a coach you know they want you want to see from players in other words you know is as the saying goes attitude more more important than ability
1: yeah I think especially with within Wickham I do a lot of work within more the kind of foundation phase um, and a little bit within within the YDP but more the foundation phase and I think that's one thing I I say to the players what I, and I, I love the the use of the language within working with kids and one thing I always say which probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people but it does to me is I, I say to them I'm looking for listeners not footballers um, basically just to say football football for me uh, that, that side can come, can come second if you're wanting to willing to listen, willing to learn and have that work ethic and that desire to improve, then that's a, they're the sort of things I can't really affect. I can then have an input on, on the football and how well you do your stepovers and whatever. But I think in, the, in terms of that side of it, I'd like to, with the players I work with, install that work ethic or that enthusiasm to, to enjoy the game. And, and hopefully that comes across in, in what I deliver. Fingers crossed. <laughs>
0: And th- this may be sort of different depending on which age groups or, you know, stages you're, you're coaching. But what are the main general objectives you look to get out of your sessions? Um, you know, are there any general points that kind of run through your philosophy as a coach? Um, I think what, thinking about working with, when I, when I work with kids, my main thing
1: is just every session will include looking at mastering the ball Mastering the ball, mastering your body. So, looking at things like how players would control the ball, different parts of their feet. I re- I'm a really big fan of trying to encourage the use of disguise when on the ball, um, and looking at how, in letting the players explore different ways and how they could disguise their intentions. With, I guess, things like body feints, stepovers, etc. Um, wanting to, a lot of it's then being dominant one v one on both sides of the ball, and installing confidence to go and try new things and express themselves on that side. Then as it as, as they get older, so I work with, within Wickham as well, an under-12s group, and then now within there, now they're going into 9v9, starting to get allow them to think a little bit more about how their role affects the team. So things like now, understanding ball-sharing responsibilities, positional responsibilities, what they do in possession, out of possession, in transition, and how their actions have a, a reaction depending on where, they're, where they are on the pitch. So... For example, if you're a wing back and you don't track back, what spaces do you leave behind, for example? Um, Going with the men's team, which has been a really interesting experience. I've I've loved every minute of it. It's a different environment where I've been used to development, coaching. Now this is a bit more results-based and the Saturday is the most important day. So trying to now think about how to support players that you only see for an hour a week before a Saturday is a different challenge. So trying to... Just think about how we can understand things tactically and being tactically flexible, uh, looking at being trying to be expressive and creative when on the ball and understand responsibilities when when defending as well. Um, more so it's a bit more the command that's not a word, command style when working with them and a
0: bit more like oh, we need you
1: to do this for this reason, where working with the youngest is a bit more right, these are the ideas. How might you put them into play?
0: This is something actually that obviously some of our listeners and subscribers may may face in terms of switching from development into a different role, or indeed combining the two as you do. Coaches, even at development stage, you know, might talk about they'd be probably wrong to, but might talk about you know oh, we've beaten our rivals this season, that's great, et cetera, et cetera. And you'd be like, well, actually, you know, how are the players developing? But then you've got to flip that when you work with the adult team, when you know. So how do you go about? Switching your own mindset, sort of moving from one into the other and sometimes back again in the same week or in the same day. As yeah. Today.
1: Yeah. Like, like today, for example, like you said, I've just been in a primary school all day and now we're uh, about to get ready for a cup game. Uh, but I think for me, a lot of it is just having a bit of a selfless mindset. And it's never, never about me. It's always about the players I work with, whether it's seven year old boys or grown men who uh, who are just coming from work. Um i think a lot of it is wanting especially within the development side of it understanding the bigger picture understanding the the goal for that either that age group or for those set of players who are either looking to get signed by academies or looking to just enjoy their football with their, with their time with us taking that rather than thinking right i need to go and flex my flex my interve- flex my coaching uh, my coaching guns and whatever and think about how can I how can I benefit these players. And even when it goes to the men's, there are times where as a as a coach, naturally I want to try and improve them and then try and support where I can, whether it's through coaching sessions or just talking to them. But then when it comes to the Saturday, they all they're all here to win. That's the reason they're here. They're not here to respectfully, they're not here to to try and develop. They want three points on a Saturday. That's their that's their sign of success. So then i thinking selflessly i think right how can i support that and how can i be a part of that journey to help them get their three points and if they're then if they're getting the three points then then i'm happy as well
0: and of course there may be things that that unite the the two if you like that that, that can be utilized uh, in both the, the development and the adult game and i want to touch on two areas that i know you're pretty hot on um first of all the use of language i mean you briefly mentioned it earlier um i know that you like to summarize coaching points you know in a sentence Um, and you've given examples before if you have if you have space use your pace Um, if you hit a wall share the ball etc etc and acronyms um, i like all that because it's transferable across all ages isn't it i mean the the most um successful slogans in advertising or politics or whatever tend to be short sharp or rhyming or whatever um and those in the uk listening will have learned the signs of a stroke from the acronym fast for example <laughs> yeah um, language like that is a learning tool for all ages isn't it it could be kids or it can be adults we all learn like that
1: yeah definitely and i think when for i and the, the, how that that kind of developed more so for me was like listening to podcasts and learning from other coaches and i found especially working for, for Primarily, first with the younger ones that when they're in school, they learn through song, they learn through patterns, they learn through rhymes. So I got me thinking, I was thinking, right, how can I make something sound interesting <laughs> for one? Uh, and also then how can I make it re- uh, memorable? So I talk to the players a lot of the, the, with that one, like you said, that if you have space, use your pace. If you hit a wall, share the ball. They're quite broad but for a player who might have the ball and all you just need to say to them is, "Oh, Bobby, oh, Bobby, if you have space, they go, oh, use your pace. And then they get the ball and they go run with it. Then after that, you can go into detail if you want to. Uh, same thing if you hit a wall, share the ball. If they find themselves at a point where they can't go any further or if they're stuck, maybe think about moving the ball on to someone in space as well. Um, and they're the sort of things I really like, almost like those sort of Dr. Seuss style rhymes. Um, just to link to how children learn, and also as adults like how you listen to a song on the radio and you'll and even if you're not repeating it back you'll know the words to it after hearing it a million times and almost that sign of that that rhyme and that the kind of cadence in how you say it I think instills those those points you want to make within the players quite easier rather than me going on and giving them more and piece about how to receive with an open body shape for example I think the, the kind of short, sharp things allow them to play a lot more. Uh, and also it allows just for that quick reminder so they can just go, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And then they'll, they'll be more willing to do it if that makes sense. Even going into the men's really, sometimes I, I try not to use those as much because I don't want to sound like patronising being 25, working with people older than me. But sometimes you just find yourself going, oh look, if you have space, use your pace. And then you go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no worries. That's all they need. Um, so it's, it is transferable. Um, something I probably could do a little bit more of in the men's game, really. But it's something I find a really interesting kind of topic. And if anyone does have any any belters or any any good, good rhymes, then please feel free to share them because I'll definitely steal them.
0: <laughs> and I guess because obviously football is all about making decisions very quickly. And if you can have that piece of advice in your head that is, you know, four or five words, rhymes so you remember it, whatever, however it comes to you, it, that will help the decision-making process, you know, it will shorten it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely agree with that. And I think, especially if they're playing in a game, they don't need to hear two paragraphs of, they'll take them out of the game for too long. You, they just need something quicker going, right, just bang, bang, bang. And then they go, okay, cool, brilliant. And then they can carry on with the game, especially more so with the younger age groups where you want to encourage play and you don't want to be stepping into their, their time too long. You want to keep the high ball rolling time, for example, those kind of short shot things. Once you establish what they mean, and players understand what they mean, and can implement what they mean, then I think they're really, really effective.
0: And you mentioned there about ball rolling time. Sometimes you don't even use balls that roll at all um, in your coaching. Because <laughs> um, one of the things you've become a little bit known for is is the use of different balls in in your sessions. I mean, even even you've been even known to whip out American footballs in in in, in your time. Um, so tell us what you've done with with props and, and what the purpose is of that.
1: So, yeah this is this is an interesting one i um I've been a big fan of using different types of ball within small sided games, more so again with the younger younger age groups just because of how interesting they are um and the idea of for example using rather than using a size three football uh, under seven, we might use like a size one. we might use a, a tennis ball, a sponge ball, like an air floater. Uh, An American football, like you said, um, things like those reaction balls that when you bounce them and they bounce in all different directions, things like those, I think they just pose so many different challenges and they don't require you to do much to the game. You can still play 4v4, 5v5, but throwing a tennis ball is a completely different game. Throwing a reaction ball is a completely different game. Uh, I remember when I first started to use them, uh, the, firstly, the parents were a bit like, firstly, like, what, what the hell is going on here? Um, so I had to then take a little bit of time to explain and go look the reason for for example with the tennis ball is that your ball control has to be is a bit different you have to control a smaller ball you have to watch the ball onto your foot also the ball doesn't travel as well so there's lots of opportunities for body combat and things like that um, which is also an important part of the game that uh, players need to learn as well then as the as as the sessions would go on then it would be things like the American football. Why do we have the American football? Uh, because when you kick it in one direction, it will bounce left and right and it will go all over the shop. Um, and players also love it. They first think, "What? What are you doing, Billy? Why are you, why are you throwing this into the game?" But after a while, when it just adds that little bit of more to your decision making and adds a little bit more to their thought process when they're trying to trap a ball, when they're trying to manoeuvre with the ball, when they maybe trying to shoot with the ball, they might think actually it doesn't roll straight, so I'm going to have to maybe move hit the ball at an angle so it can go in a, in a straight line almost it just it just poses different challenges and it just, as a coach sometimes you want to look for ways to change the game in kind of cute clever ways rather than uh, other than make, putting down 100 cones and trying to explain the rules, kids know how to play football, kids know how to play football matches, you go cool, right is a game football match as normal, but today you're going to use a an air floater that goes miles up in the air when you try and smash it, um, and it gives them those those things they play on the playground with. They play elsewhere with, just bringing those all those different elements and the, a lot of the things I've waffled on about, kind of all together, and helping them learn through the play as well.
0: Yeah. And we've often seen, obviously, uh, you know, pros have talked about using, you know, smaller balls to to try and improve technique and whatever. And, um, you know, they've seen people juggling tennis balls and golf balls and, and things like that. But um, like you said, different, you know, different shaped balls and, and things that will move around all over the place. That's about the cognitive as much as the the technical, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, and even, yeah, it, it'll have its technical benefits, obviously. Like, I've seen things like Chelsea are, um, like, I've seen, like, Tom's two called Chelsea use, like, size one footballs in their, within their training sessions. Um, and I saw it and I was like, you know what, that, that's brilliant. That's ledge. Uh, just because it's a little bit different. And, um, and then it keeps, keeps things like keeps the players on their toes. Because I know sometimes, even though they're playing small sided games or they're playing 4v4s, 5v5s, after a while, it's, it becomes repetitive, even though it is the game. And sometimes they're just thrown in just to mix it up a bit and get them thinking differently. Like you said, using those cognitive skills that, after a while of not really changing anything, can just could become they almost kind of go through the gears. But when you say right, chucking a reaction ball that you don't know what direction it's going to move in every time you kick it, they're now the players who might not be involved as much are thinking actually, you know what, I've got a chance here. Or the the technic- or the ones who are flying, you see those ones who can actually manipulate the ball without having to be coached how to do it in those same ways. But I recommend it thoroughly to those, anyone out there listening who wants to give it a go, give it a go, try it. Um, have your reasoning behind doing it as well. And not just don't do it just for the sake of it. I think it would be good, be important to have method behind the madness, if you will. Um, but I, I thoroughly recommend it. It's good for you. Players will love it and it's good fun.
0: Well, I was just about to say that actually, because I was going to say, what would you say to coaches who want to do things a bit differently, but might be a bit either nervous of breaking convention or... You know, they're stepping outside of what their coaches and courses have told them or the textbooks say, or perhaps they might be a little bit more practically a bit up, afraid of upsetting, you know, their their coaching directors or, or, or head coaches or whatever, because they go, oh, I can't do it like that because that's not the way the club does it. Have you got to be brave and stand above that and go, do you know what? I'm just going to try this. Yeah. And I think for, in terms of for me,
1: I've been fortunate that those who I work with at Wickham, for example, have been very accepting when I've come with ideas and come over trying things. If you are giving them or given them my reasons why, they go, yeah, brilliant. Crack on, give it a go. Um, I think in terms of people, uh, coaches' own settings, the fun of coaching is that it can be done in many different ways. Even though it's the same game we play, people have a million different ways of, of coaching and of getting messages across to players and of uh, different ways of doing things. And the, the fun part is having that new idea and thinking, you know what, I want to see if this works and just experimenting and giving it a go. And that almost that, what we try and install within players, that no fear, I think coaches should have that as well. Coaches should, shouldn't should be afraid of making mistakes the same way you want your players to not be afraid of making mistakes. Players, parents, spectators, other coaches will appreciate it if you're the one thinking, you know what, I'm going to give this a go and I'm humble enough to say if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does work, you're onto, you're onto something special and it breeds that creativity that like we said that we encourage in our players we want we want i'd love to see and some of the coaches i work with are exactly like that just wanting to kind of push the boundaries a little bit and try and do things differently and try and get different results and experiment with brand new things and that's where the, the kind of the props came from and the different types of ball and the different types of language just almost my way of trying to get my creative juices flowing a little bit and trying to hopefully inspire one or two people. That's always the aim with it.
0: That was the voice of Billy Reddy, a coach in Wickham Wanderers Community Arm and for Aylesbury Vale Dynamos. We thank Billy for his time and insight. And wish him well for the rest of the season. Thanks to you as well for listening. Don't forget you can get the Soccer Coach Weekly magazine direct to your inbox every Friday. Subscribe via our website, soccercoachweekly.net. That's where you can also find practice plans, advice, interviews and much, much more. I'm Andrew Rayburn. Thanks once again for listening. Join us again soon here on the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast.